Welcome back, Cake Nation, and thanks for tuning into the Chemistry Cake online podcast, where chatting about chemistry has never been sweeter. Chemistry Cake is online, and today I have the privilege of chatting with my friend Dr. Carly Schneblin. She graduated from the University of Arizona with her bachelor's degree in biochemistry and received her doctorate from Purdue University in chemistry education. And now she is a postdoctoral scholar and lecturer at the University of California, San Diego, doing some really cool research in chemical education. She is also a really wonderful hiking and ice cream adventure buddy, and her favorite cake flavor is carrot cake because she can pretend that she is partaking in healthy eating, and there is no shame in that. Uh, it's also <laughs> because her grandma would make it all the time when she was a wee lass, which I think is super sweet. In any case, Carly, thanks so much for chatting with me today. How have you been? Good. Good. Okay, yeah. How is uh, how has summer been treating you? Summer's good. I started teaching a summer class this week, so that's been keeping me pretty busy. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that. It's fun. Yeah, it's really fast. Wow. Well, what do you mean by fast? Well, it's a regular, what would be a 10-week course condensed into five weeks. So we meet for an hour and a half, four days a week uh, for class. And then they have two discussion sections a week. So Whoa, that's a lot of chemistry. Right. It's a lot for them. And it's a lot for me because I have to write an exam like almost every week. Oh, my God. Uh, which is terrifying. Wow. Yeah. All the assessments. All the assessments. All right. Well, so... Actually, there was something rather interesting um, that I noticed on the pre-interview document that I sent you, and you had mentioned that your favorite molecule was water. Mm-hmm. Like that is true. H two O. Yes. Uh, and I thought that was fascinating because most people answer this question with a molecule that they've extensively worked with or some complex compound that they've synthesized. So could you tell us a little more about why your favorite molecule is water? I mean, I think I can't remember exactly what I said for my answer. <laughs> but, um, I think it's really interesting because partly because it is so simple. Um, you know, two hydrogen atoms, one oxygen atom. It's a really small molecule, but it's, you know, basically is what makes life on Earth possible, and especially multicellular or any kind of advanced life. Um, it's also, you know, when I teach, we often talk about, like, rules in chemistry, which are, they're not real, right? They're things <laughs> that people have made up. But there's always exceptions to those rules, and water is often a interesting example of exceptions to the so-called rules of chemistry, which I think is really interesting and often thought-provoking for students. So what is an example of water uh, being an exception to the rule? So for most substances that we know of, uh, the solid phase is the most dense with gas being least dense and liquid is intermediate. Mm -hmm. But for water, uh, liquid is actually the most dense, which is why ice floats, because the solid is less dense than the liquid. But for most things, that's not the case. Right, and so a fun sort of thought experiment that I've done with students is, what would the world be like if solid water were more dense, if ice sank? Whoa, (laughs) wait, 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 wait. So what have been some what have been some answers to this to this thought? 
Well, I often teach a lot of biology majors, and so they often think about, like, ocean life. Yeah. And how that would be impacted, hmm. which is sort of an interesting idea. Right. I wonder if ice... If it sank to the bottom, if it would melt faster because water tends to retain a lot of heat and the bodies of water are... Like, the, the temperatures of the oceans are rising. Mm, that's an interesting question, because right? it wouldn't be exposed to air. Right, right. So would it, would it melt faster, or would it melt slower? Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't have to think about yeah, that one. Yeah, think about that one. Okay, mm-hmm. well. I think it's that. very thought-provoking. Right? <laughs> just, thinking, just thinking about the real, like, if water is wet, we're not going to go into that. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so your research focuses on chemistry education. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what exactly does that entail? Like, what is chemical education research? Uh, it entails a lot of different things. So, I mean, broadly speaking, it's the study of anything related to the teaching and learning of chemistry. Right. Okay. Sometimes that's in a classroom setting, either K-12 or higher education, but sometimes it's not. Um, So there are people who think about chemistry education in sort of informal settings like a museum or science center um, or sort of like outreach programs. Okay. So what are the more intricate workings of chemical education? Like what is involved? That's a good question. So it sort of depends on, I guess, what kind of research you're doing. So broadly, we sort of divide it into um, different methodologies. So quantitative methodologies, which would be working with numeric data uh, versus qualitative methodologies. Um, When you're working with data sources that are either text or audiovisual, not numbers, essentially. Um, and those two things can complement each other, right? They're not necessarily opposing, but they're sort of different ways of thinking about and addressing a research question or problem that you might ask. Um, but we borrow methods from lots of different fields. So some methods come from sort of more traditional scientific fields like psychology, um, and then other methodologies come from more what I would describe as social sciences, so sociology, um, those sorts of of things would probably be more, well, both qualitative and quantitative um, methods are used in sort of all of those fields. But yeah, we kind of borrow things from all over, uh, which makes it kind of fun because you get to learn about lots of different things. Like I never imagined that I would be reading these like really heavy sociology theories, uh, but it turns out some of it's actually relevant. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, I think, I had taken a sociology class when I was a freshman, and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to do it because it's a general education requirement. But then when we got into the intersectionality portion of it, I thought it was really fascinating because one of the topics that they went over very briefly, although it was very interesting, was education and how each community received education differently or how they approached education and how that was different and how like certain certain groups aren't necessarily better than the other but rather some communities may be more 
equipped because of what's accessible to them. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was really interesting because that wasn't something that I hadn't given much thought to. I have now because this is something that I care a lot about. So uh, yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, Okay, well, so some common examples of this field are rather apparent, like, you know, identifying misconceptions that students may have about chemistry or or understanding how visual representations and models are interpreted um, or developing assessments, tests, and inquiry-based active learning um, approaches. And so what are some examples of ChemEd that perhaps are less apparent? Um, so there's some been some interesting work recently that um, historically the field has been very much focused on you know the cognitive aspects of learning which are certainly important um, but a lot of people more recently have started to realize that there are a lot of other factors um, so things like the role of emotions in learning mm. and sort of what you were talking about you know a person's cultural identity and the resources that they have access to and how that impacts their experience of education um, have been things that have been getting more attention recently. Uh, And then the other area that I think is really interesting um, is that, you know, chemistry education has been around for a while. It's a relatively new field, but um, there's been a considerable body of research on sort of how students learn, how to teach more effectively, um, but not very much of it has really found its way into practice. There's a few notable exceptions. But by and large, a lot of classrooms at the college level still look very traditional. There's a lot of lecturing, a lot of sort of instructor-centered approaches to teaching. Um, And so a lot of people now are starting to address sort of that research into practice area um, and to figure out often that involves studying faculty or instructors, people who are in teaching roles and sort of looking at their conceptions of teaching and learning and how to actually implement changes that are sort of more sustainable versus just like a, you know, one-time professional development workshop. We know that doesn't really have a huge impact um, in most cases, but looking at ways to sort of support and sustain change on a broader scale, I would say. Okay, that's, that is very interesting. I... I always wondered, considering the students' emotions of like, oh, maybe I'm just overreacting about this test score or whatever, but something um, that I thought was rather interesting is you have, you know, this group of people who there is, like, say, uh, a midterm and um, a bunch of the students don't do as well as they'd hoped and and, and it uh, evokes such a big response. And so... I think that's something to to keep in in mind. It's like, well, you know, we can't just tell our students, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like it'll like work out in it in the end. Like there is there is a an emotional attachment, I guess you could say, to the work that they are putting in, and yet it's not, uh, it's not, I suppose you could say, harvesting the result that they were hoping for. And so I think that's also really it's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, well, uh, research in chemical education is pretty distinct from 
you know, say research in biochemistry, which implies, you know, a not a bench chemistry, and was the emphasis of your bachelor's degree, albeit not the emphasis of your senior thesis. Um, and so I wanted to ask uh, who or what motivated you to shift your attention to research in chemistry and education? Yeah, so I, so as you mentioned, I did my bachelor's in biochemistry. So I did have some experience as an undergrad working in sort of a traditional biochemistry wet lab, um, which was not my favorite. I <laughs> enjoyed a lot of the classes that I took and sort of learning more the theoretical aspects of chemistry and biochemistry, but working in the lab was not really the best environment for me. Um, but I started teaching when I was a sophomore. I was an undergrad TA for um, my gen chem class, which I loved. Uh, I really enjoyed teaching. And at the time, I kind of thought it was something that, oh, you know, maybe I'll do this for a year or so, just kind of for fun. Uh, but I ended up doing it for three years. Uh, they couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> and after I'd been doing it for a while, I was sort of thinking about, you know, I'd interact with students a lot and, you know, you probably know this because you've taught. You think, well, you know, what's going on here? Like, where are they getting these ideas from? Somehow something's, you know, not clicking. They're not understanding. How could I maybe help them more effectively? Um, and so that was sort of my first realization that there was such a thing as chemistry education research uh, that had some of those answers. So I started to read a few papers on issues related to student learning um, and figured out like how I could maybe use some of those tools in my own teaching, uh, which was really interesting. And then, as you said, when I had to do my senior thesis, um, I decided that I wanted to do an education research project um, to sort of get my feet wet and see like, is this something that I would like to do in the future, more long-term? Um, and so I did, and that was really fun and ended up applying to grad school in chemistry education, which was also a thing that I didn't know that you could do. Mm -hmm. uh, it turns out you can. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's what I ended up doing. That's super cool. Uh, okay, so, so what, are some, what are some aspirations then that you hope to accomplish in chemical education? Like what, what's, what's the dream? I mean, like, pragmatically, I would like a permanent job. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think sort of working at that area of the interface of research and practice is really sort of where I've landed, at least at this point. Who knows? That may change in the future. Um, but sort of thinking about ways to use all of the research that we have done and is continuing to, you know, be generated to impact the way that chemistry is taught at the university level. So pragmatism aside, what's the dream? Hmm. I don't really know like what exactly that looks like. Mm -hmm. Okay, well that's that's definitely that is an acceptable answer. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean I think throughout like my whole education I've always been focused on like what's the next step? Like okay, right. you know, finish my undergrad degree, grad school, finish my PhD, postdoc. Um, which is good. Like, I've gotten to do a lot of really interesting things. Right. But, yeah, I don't know that I've thought necessarily that long term, but who knows? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of open to, to whatever at this point. Maybe that's another thought-provoking question. Like, would ice melt 
faster or slower at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, it's been super great chatting with you. Um, to the listeners at home, thanks for tuning in. If you aren't already partaking in the hype, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at chemistrycake. It has been a pleasure uh, serving as your designated hype woman. Um, this is your friendly reminder to stay hydrated, keep the hype alive, and edify your village. Thanks for tuning in. This is Chemistry Cake, signing off. <laughs>